Hello, and thanks for downloading the Charlie Higson and Friends podcast, which originally broadcast on Scala Radio, a station where we like to have fun with classical music. It's home to Charles Nove, Simon Mayo, Mark Kermode and me, Richard Allenson. And you can find us on DAB Digital Radio, scalaradio.co.uk and on the Scala app. Right, over to Charlie. Hello, welcome back to Charlie Higson and Friends here on Scala Radio. I am the said Charlie Higson, and my friend here sitting next to me is Simon Day. I am the said Simon Day. Yes, off of the fast show. Off of the amongst, fast show, and many other, other things. things. Many other things. Um, Some other things. A couple of other things. Yeah. I did see you in something else. Yes. No, no, many other things. Brian Perkin, um, it. it's too sad. And Simon and I are sharing some music. And this next piece is a favourite of both of ours. It's another piece by Prokofiev, and this is from his ballet of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, and it's one of those pieces that, that even people who say they don't like classical music yes. are going to enjoy. And, Simon, you, you said you first came across it. A band in the 90s used it to come on to, but you can't remember the name of the band, so it's not the best anecdote in the world. No, you're absolutely correct. I still can't remember it. But, but I do believe they played it before they came on, and I... I it's going to come to me. Well, maybe you should play it before you come on, on your gigs to sort of power yourself Get up and power going. the audience up. It's a great piece of music. It's Dance of the Nights from Prokofiev's Ballet of Romeo and Juliet, which is a favourite piece of music of both my guest here today on Scala Radio, Simon Day. Hello. And myself, Charlie Higson. Hello. Hello. Um, have you ever been to see the ballet of that? Nope. Me neither. Um, no. I'm not a fan of ballet. I love opera. Yeah, I... I, I, I... Paul Whitehouse is really into opera, isn't he? And I've seen La Bohème at the Royal Opera House in, in Covent Garden and I just could not believe how... They had a scene in it where they had a tavern, which was right at the back of the stage, and men with lanterns, and, and they sang. And they actually were men with lanterns in a tavern right at the back of the stage singing. I, I couldn't believe how much money they spend on it. I know. And, it's the, a, and the people carrying the wood... And the, the the snow falling. I mean, it's extraordinary. Oh, well, they've got a huge company there that they need to keep employed. And yes, it's expensive. They've had to their budget, on. removed, they? Well, that is the English National Opera, and right. which is an ongoing saga, and and for me, a, a really terrible tragedy because the English right. National Opera traditionally was much more accessible. There were proper productions, but not on the scale of, yeah, the, okay. of the Royal Opera House. And and all and sundry could go and enjoy opera in a much less stuffy and sort of yeah. elitist atmosphere. I mean, I love going to the Royal Opera House, but, you know, English National Opera, they were doing free tickets if you were under 18, things like that. So, um, But, no, I, I love opera. Less keen on on ballet. It's all that standing on tiptoes. I, I just think, why are they doing that? Yeah. And also, if you sit too near the front, mm. you can hear them, hear them clumping about. That's no good, is it? <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, another piece of music that you've chosen... It's from, well, it's originally by Gershwin from his opera, Porgy and Bess. Uh, I Loves You, Porgy, which is one of the songs from that, which has become a sort of a jazz standard, or a popular yeah. song standard. And if, so this is a version which is it was played by Keith Jarrett, the, the pianist, and, it, and he's a really interesting... There are sort of... 
I guess he descri- describes himself as a, as a jazz pianist, but there's elements of of classical and there's a lot of improvisation. It's he's, so it, you know, he's it sort class- of crosses so many boundaries. Bona fide genius, isn't he? And there's yeah. a brilliant uh, BBC Four documentary about him. The, again, this was turn- I was turned on to this by uh, Craig Richards, who played me the Colne concert. Yes, which is fa- that's the first time famous. I was I came across him. And if you watch the, the the BBC Four documentary, he's so sort of he's that classic sort of slightly irritated. You know, every, every other question is like, what? You know, when people take themselves so seriously, <laughs> their art so seriously. Yes. And, and there's one bit where he says, have you ever, is there anything that you've sacrificed for, for your work? You know, and he went, my health. And he sort of really <laughs> lost it. And this album, he's come back from some terrible sort of illness, blood group, whatever, you know, to do with over, overwork. Mm. And this his album is all he could do. It's all very soft, simple piano. You know, because I think it takes an enormous amount out of him. He does those an hour and forty minutes of improvisation, yeah, in a concert hall. You know, so yeah, I think that obviously must leave you fairly drained. Also, he did a, he wrote a whole sort of opera when he was eight and, and drew all the pictures <laughs> of the animals and all the notes and everything. You should, they show it to you on the documentary. I mean, he's extremely interesting, talented person, an amazing improvisational piano player and. As Simon was saying earlier, his best-known album is the Colne Concert, which is an entirely improvised live concert. And if so, if you want to check out some more Keith Jarrett, go go and listen. Try to that. It. It, it, it is it is pretty extraordinary. And that was a choice of my guest here on Charlie Higgs and Friends, Simon Day, and we've been talking about the the Fast Show. And I'm going to ask you now all the questions that one always gets asked. Yes. <laughs> about when you meet anyone, are you going to do another? <laughs> Well, we did do a, a, a special on gold uh, where we got some of the old characters and did them again, like the uh, Ron Manager and his two cohorts, and it looked rather strange. Well, we did we did a sort of parody of a Talking Heads programme where we talked about the show and other people talked about the show, and we also had the characters from the show talking about the show as yes. Talking Heads. It was it was meta, I believe the word. Oh, is. meta, is that what they call it? And we were filming that just before we went into lockdown. We were the last... We finished on the last possible day we could be filming anything, and and London was kind of shutting down all around us. There was a slightly so was the apocalyptic feel. Yeah, everyone was out of work for about a year. Yeah, it was not a good vibe. <laughs> but I, I, it was a good show, and um, it's there. You can check it out. I'm pretty sure it's on. It's on gold. Must is it on gold still? It must be. It's still on UK TV. They still repeat it, but I, I, it's possibly on iPlayer. And actually, the fast show itself is is now on. On iPlayer. It's actually started, has it? Yeah, so, um, and yeah, people say, oh, why don't, oh, are you going to do another one? You kind of think, well, the original is still there, and if you want to watch it, enjoy it. Because if we did another one now, all anyone is going to say is, well, it's not as good as the original, is it? Yeah, I think... Well, and, the prob- and, and don't they look old? <laughs> yeah, the problem with these things is is that it evoked, for a lot of people who I speak to, it evoked a time in their lives. They were at university, or they were, and, and it, evoked, it evoked a sort of group thing, you know, water cooler TV, as they call it. Yeah, then, it was before, had, and before it streaming and, and catch-up, you had to watch it yeah, at the same go, time oh, as everyone God, else. It was such a laugh. And do you remember? And, I, and now you do it again, and they go, oh. And they, they, it's a bit like music. You can't. It's hard to get that feeling you back. You recapture that, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people say, oh, we know, that was proper comedy. I remember, you know, it made you laugh. And what? it was a sketch show, and, and really nobody makes sketch shows anymore, apart from no. the Americans. So, so I think people remember it fondly for that reason. People say to me a lot, oh, I can't do that sort of stuff anymore, can you? And I go, well, what stuff? 
Well, exactly. We, there was nothing we did that was ever no. controversial or against the crowd. I mean, some of it goes back slightly to what we were talking about earlier about if you're parodying a certain type of person, they have to behave and talk like that type of person. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been happily playing on UK TV for years and no one's complained and it's going out on iPlayer and it's going out in its original form. It's not like we've got to. Yeah, you know, everyone who says that to me, they go, oh, you can't do that anymore, can you? I go, well, actually, the most successful comedian at the moment is Ricky Gervais. He kind of mm. says and does exactly what he wants. Yeah. He's enormously successful, so I don't, he doesn't really follow that argument. No, it, it, it doesn't stand up, and, and it annoys me when people... I know. I go, oh, oh. You, know, you can't do comedy at all anymore. Well, you know, you are living proof you're still going out and doing those characters. So. Yeah, exactly. Oh, was I meant to say something there? Yeah, you could say something more than, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, yes, no, no, exactly, and I, I do some <laughs> characters from The Far Show and from Bellamy's People, and I've had a number of Bellamy's People... Fans bringing on their DVDs to be signed. Oh. Um, and your new, uh, and you're doing your new character that you've been doing. Did you start it in lockdown? Your builder character. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so I started doing that. In I basically suddenly thought I was sitting in my bedroom and I had I bought a little tripody thing. I was saying, thought if I put it up there, it'll look like I'm looking at a, at a roof. Yeah. And I just got up, I didn't write anything, and I just did a builder, because, you know, basically, a lot of those terrible builders, they are just basically sort of playing for time while they talk to you. They don't really know what they're saying, so he's <laughs> oh, you know, till I get up there, I can't have a look. And did that, and it got something like 600,000 uh, oh, watches or views So what did you put it out on Instagram, Twitter? Instagram and Twitter. And, and, and it's either loads of people saying... Oh, this is my mate, or you know, yeah. you know, and a few. I've, a, I've got a builder in the house right now. Yes, I've got about me that three same or four talk. people <laughs> trying to contact me through the message part of Instagram, including one woman who said, "Simon, this man is in my house. I've got an injunction <laughs> against him." Uh, he took out all the lead piping, replaced it with plastic, and said, "That's a drink for my, for the boys," and it, it sort of makes you think that there are those people out there. Literally, you know, they they go, oh, single single woman, what's she going to do? You know, there, there are people out yeah, there doing you, that. And that, if you that, can talk the talk, you can, yeah. you know, yeah, you can con people into paying for things they really don't. I was I couldn't believe it. Oh, I've, yeah, we've all had it. Yeah. I had a, <laughs> I had a locksmith in the other day who, who ended up managing to charge £1,000 to, uh, to get a key out of a lock and replace really? it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was... It was a, what, front door? It was the back door, actually. Uh, it was a long story. I, I wasn't actually there when he did it, and, but it was one of those things where he kept saying, and there's a discharge for this and this charge for this, oh. and that, and you think, you They slimy. just look at the size of the house, don't they, and they go, yeah. oh, I'll chance it. And if there's someone they think that they can, uh, they can scam, they will, because they've got the talk, and, you know, con men are, know what they're doing. But your, your builder, do you do him now in the, in the live show? I have, no, I play the films, oh, uh, right. edited together, which... Uh, Is that on, so you can go off and change character? Yes. You, you've exactly. sorted it out now. You've worked yes, out yeah, how to do it. Smooth as silk. <laughs> Although I've changed some of the films because some of them are a bit, were a bit sort of like play for today. They're a bit depressing. <laughs> so I, I put some more happy, happy bits in there. <laughs> Charlie Higson and Friends on Scala Radio. Hello, welcome back to Charlie Higson and Friends here on Scala Radio. My friend today is Simon Day, who. I've known for over 30 years. One of his music choices, uh, it was Peace Peace by Bill Evans. Yeah, I love Bill Evans. I love all of Bill Evans. I, you know, I really like solo piano. Like, that is the sort of area of classical music I like. It would be solo piano. He's a sort of jazz pianist, one of the greatest 
of all time, and man, has he done a lot of albums. Yeah, I mean, that is the thing about the jazz world, is you look at these artists and they're, yeah. they're, they're just so many albums a year. Yeah. And they probably don't sell vast amount. I mean, someone like Bill Evans over, yeah. over the years will have sold a lot. But I, I quite like the simple stuff when they go to avant-garde and the bass comes in. If it's a trio and the bass comes in and, and they start going a bit wacky, I'm, I'm not, I like it <laughs> straight down the line. Uh, yeah, I mean, you did choose a lot of, of solo piano music to play on the show today, <laughs> and I had to I had to change, ask you to change some of your selection, just so it wasn't too too much the same. I mean, all great pieces of music, it was very hard to choose, but um, it was great to have a bit of Bill Evans in there. And uh, just to sort of redress the classical music balance yes. as we go from, from jazz to classical. Although, you know, some of the music we've been listening to does does exist in that sort of crossover area. Uh, and I think really the main the main difference traditionally between jazz and classical is that classical is is written down, okay, and there is there is no improvisation, whereas jazz is is the opposite. Yes. I mean, it will of, obviously of, often be based on an existing song, but it, it's up to the musicians then to take it to wherever they want to take Does it. Does that make them better musicians? Well, I think jazz musicians are are, are more um, adaptable. Yes. Loose. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all remember the, the lovely Nigel Kennedy who yes. wanted to break out of the bands of classical music and, and, and play more improvised stuff. And you could never quite... You could never throw off that. We did a, we did a, a, a parody of him on Jazz Club on the <laughs> Fast Show um, where he was trying... He had a sort of jazz band with him. And then when it came to his bits to play, all he could play was... Who played him, Paul? I think Paul did. And I think we had Caroline playing... Who was Nigel Kennedy's girlfriend? He had a sort of... Brick Smith? That's right. So we had her doing a Brick Smith, trying to play an instrument and not actually being able to... <laughs> but no, I mean the fast show. We 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 very rarely did sort of direct parodies. They would always be involved in something else because it was one. It, we, I did have a set of rules on the fast show, and one of them was not to do TV parodies of other shows. Yes. Because as soon as that show is not on anymore, your sketch becomes utterly irrelevant, and someone watching yeah. in twenty years' time thinks, it's "What on earth very, is this?" Without being cocky, it's also quite easy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, there have been some great ones over the over time, but no, I, I tried to make the fast show that it would be its own thing that you wouldn't need to have watched something else to get the gags right. out. I mean occasionally we did yeah. we did parodies like they, the Nigel Kennedy but it was still funny in its own they right. Stuck, um, there's a guy sticking up Harry Enfield stuff on, on Twitter and he stuck up the uh, Have I Got News For You spoof the other day that's good uh, from the history of yeah, uh, yeah. history of BBC that going, was very funny was he a monkey in a bath? <laughs> <laughs> a dolphin a dolphin in the bath but. See, that attention to detail is why yeah. the Fast Show was good. <laughs> but, you know, we had other rules on the Fast Show, one of which was no drag. I can't remember all this. Yeah, because, well, I didn't necessarily tell you the rules. Ah! Yeah, You're a bit like the art of war, isn't it? You're... Yes. <laughs> Controlling from the background. You should write an art of war comedy book. That would be brilliant. <laughs> How to make comedy. Why no drag? Well, because we had two really good, funny women on the show. Oh, I and I, and there was it, drag. In the in the the carry on sketch, uh, sketch. Yeah, but that was parodying something. Um, but no, uh, the, the, my thought was always: if you've got two women Whoa, in the show, Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> yes, and you're going to write 
a sketch with a female character, it seems a shame not to give it to one of the women. Yeah, quite. Um, so, uh, yeah, I had a few other rules, but we won't go into that now. Um, and the next piece of music is, is one of your choices, Simon. It is from Lionel Bart's Oliver. It yep. is Who Will Buy. Why did you choose that? I think that that particular Oliver is the best Oliver, and I, I don't know what age I saw it, but, you know... So this is the film, the original... Film, Ron Moody film playing Fagin, yes. Oliver Reed playing Bill Sykes, and he, oh, he he's so absolutely good, terrifying, you know. I mean, that was... He was a brilliant actor, you know, before he get, he started drinking too much, and he's terrifying in it. I mean, he, and, 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 and because there's lots of darkness, suddenly this scene, you know, appears with a little boy going, who will buy this wonderful morning? And it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And I have no sort of history or interest in musical theatre. It's, it's just a fantastic mm. film scene. Well, it's like he sort of died and woken up in heaven. It's when, yeah. it's when Oliver escapes from That's right, yeah. Fagin's gown and he's taken in by the nice family. Yeah. And he wakes up to see this beautiful street of street vendors oh. singing and dancing. So you've, you've never done any musical comedy on the stage, have you? Not really, no. I, 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 there was a brief moment when sadly departed Jeffrey Perkins wanted me to play uh, a character in the Madness musical. No, I was a bit of singing, which sang One Better Day, but it wasn't really a formal off. Well, it was a formal off, but I was doing something else. Yeah, but but I, it, my own experience of musical theatre people is when I did Skins and the, I was in the car at half past five and they were all singing show tunes in the back <laughs> of the car. And was I joining in? No. No. But you've, you, you've done... Uh, you did the, the stage version of Lady Killers, didn't you? I did that, So yeah. you have done... Comedy, yeah. You know, I don't mind a bit of a sing song, but I'm, I'm certainly not known for it. But, but um, that was great fun to do. Yeah, and our old friend Reese Thomas, who yes. um, he used to play Swiss Tony's assistant Paul. That's right. Who I would always address my um, homilies to about making love to a beautiful woman. Of course. And has gone on to do some great stuff of his own. Brian uh, including Brian Perm, which you were yes. in, which is was a sort of started as a sort of parody of Peter Gabriel, yes, and and grew from there. Yeah, that was great fun to do because it was such a quiet character, and the, the whole idea Reese had was that this guy is an antithesis of Keith Richards because every single time you see a rocker on telly, there's a leather jacket, and he, he's on white or whatever. And this guy was public school, introverted, very clever, uh, no drugs. So it was great to play because everything happens around him. He's just well, I don't know, you know, and he gets he has various <laughs> women who tell him what to do, and and yeah, it was a great great show to do that. And uh, it's a shame that it didn't get more sort of. It, it, it was it, it was a shame it wasn't on a more mainstream channel that exactly. more people would have come across it because it, yeah. it was really funny and clever and had some great. And the pe- they queued great up stuff to be on it. it. We, in the end, he was turning yeah. down people who wanted to be on it. I mean, yeah, because a lot of a lot of people from the rock world came on to play themselves. Yeah, and they? I remember one day. I mean, I I am not very good at sort of meeting people and going hi. Yeah, because either I was massive fans of them, mm. or you know I I wasn't sure whether why they were on the. Well, no, but once we had <laughs> we had Sporty Spice, Chrissy Hind, Roy Wood. You know, Roy Wood was a big part of my childhood. He was absolutely lovely. And you give them lines to say and all that, and then mm. Reese would say, "Can't say that. Don't say this." There's a lot of that because some <laughs> some of these people take themselves very seriously. Yes, some of the older rockers, and you, and you can't say certain things. But yeah, that was one day. It was a guy from Level Forty Two, Mark King, Chrissy Hind, Sporty Spice, 
who then had a sing-off with Lucy Montgomery, which was quite funny. <laughs> she said, I don't want to sing, and then Lucy started singing really well, and so she said, actually, I do. And they had a sort of sing-off. That was great. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and Lucy Montgomery being Reese's um, wife, wife who's a very funny comedian, and, and she does a lot of um, voices for animation. She does, yes. She's working with Matt Greening, amongst others. And together, with this links in with Oliver, yes. they um, have written and made and directed and acted in a, a series for kids and produced called Dodger, which is about the, the early life of Artful Dodger before Oliver Twist turns up. Exactly, and they just won a BAFTA for it. And they just won, yeah, the children's BAFTA. And you played a very small part in that. I played you? a man uh, who I think worked in, in the sewers... Who had a big hammer, and he had been captured and put into a circus of a, a circus freaks, uh, a, freak, a circus of freaks, and uh, we all break out, and I get the evil uh, circus master and force him to go into a cage. Mm. And it is it is a brilliant show, very very well made uh, and uh, very funny as well. Yeah. Uh, and so if you haven't watched it or your kids haven't watched it, look out for it. Check it out on on iPlayer, um, and I believe it's actually transferring to BBC One. Paul and I were approached to, 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 to do a book on The Fast Show, yeah. a sort of posh coffee table book, and I wrote a piece for it as a sort of a, a sample piece. And I talked about how Paul and I, when we were making The Fast Show, we were also we, we were having kids, we were starting our own families and trying to juggle the two of us. Sometimes quite tricky. I bet it was. Particularly, and I wrote in this piece, because on The Fast Show... Paul and I were very much kind of mum and dad, and yes. uh, the rest of you were were children. Yes. In terms of being being uh, uh, having to be fairly heavily shepherded by Paul and I, and Paul said, "No, you can't say that. No, no, they'll hate that. No, don't say that." I said, "Well, what's the point in us writing a book if it's you know, that's my experience of it?" Yeah, was yeah. That it was that. No, we, I, I totally agree. We were, you know, you're looking at a lot of attention deficit disorder. You know, well, you are. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, and you had to come in and say, well, you can't say that, and you need a catchphrase and blah, blah. Otherwise, you know, if you'd, me and John would have never produced anything. Yeah, you know, we were, we, were, we, were, we were strong on structure and how it all went yeah. together and, and also kicking you up the backsides to write stuff and, and, and to and, I remember and to John doing a sketch remark and John was going, I can steal this with these glasses. <laughs> You're not meant to be stealing it, John. It's Mark's character. <laughs> That was John. I could, I could, I could steal it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, you're not. <laughs> well, that was John. There was a all lot over. of egos and a lot of people. We were all like, we want to make it. We weren't all. You yeah, know, and you were all sort of very we mer rich. mercurial talents. It was sort of flying off in all directions. Yeah. And Paul and I wanted to capture that and 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 bottle it and and so yeah, we were in the, we were we were putting the lids on the bottles while you were trying to burst out. And I said to Paul, "Well, there's no point in us doing the yeah. book if we can't speak honestly I we were all about doing it." The book. Uh, yeah, you, no, you, everybody was going to contribute to it, but as on the far show, Paul and I were going to kind of uh, supervise okay. it. Uh, but I, at that point, I thought, well, I if Paul doesn't want to actually tell the truth, yes, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't be doing it. Really? Because I didn't, well, I didn't want to do a sort of light-hearted, hey, it was great fun. No, quite right. Well, why doesn't he? Yeah, we should be great. We should, we should do that. Well, anyway. maybe, maybe we'll go back to it. Yeah. Your final choice is Arvo... Peart, his piece Spiegel im Spiegel, the mirror in a mirror, in a mirror, in a mirror, in a mirror. Oh, lovely. Uh, how did you come across this? This was uh, sent to me uh, by a playlist called the Kahatsu Playlist, which is a Japanese restaurant. And it's all <laughs> little bits of, sort of experimental music. Right. And um, 
it's just a really sort of haunting, simple piece of piano, isn't it? Yes, and I mean, I think a lot of your choices, you you definitely lean towards this sort of melancholy and and contemplative and uh, sort of slightly hypnotic. Yes, I'd say melancholy. I had Lucy Porter on an earlier show, and she was saying how much she likes to listen to mellow classical music as a way of of de-stressing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you know, if people say, "Oh, I don't like classical music. I don't want to listen to it," so uh, use it as a tool. I do use it as a tool, but I think I use it too... It, it's become too successful for me because I do it sort of eight hours a day. <laughs> and then Ruth comes in and says, you meant to pick Lloyd up? And I went, oh, was I? <laughs> what, what, it's nothing important, was it? He says, no, it's his mock. And then he was boxing for the silver medal. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm very good at all that dad stuff. That's another mm. thing. We need to get away from the stereotype. Every single dad in a drama is a drunk who misses the school play, <laughs> he misses everything. And it's just, it's just, I don't know any dads like that. All the dads I know do too much. And the kid's like, what are you, what are you here for again? <laughs> just let me be with my friends and go home. I'm sick of you dogging me all around the world. <laughs> That's the vibe. But Lloyd doesn't like me even watching him anymore. He goes, why, why are you here? I said, well, I've dropped you off and I may as well watch the football. He goes, oh, don't, please, it's weird. No, 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 no other dads are here. And I go, okay. <laughs> and to drive off. And play some depressing classical music. <laughs> yeah, go and park on a lonely hill somewhere, yeah. playing Spiegel im Spiegel and staring into the distance. Try and see him with a telescope. Yeah. <laughs> My guest today, Simon Day, has been saying how much solace he takes from listening to, to classical music, particularly the more melancholy and piano-driven. One can just drift off, dear. Mm. I like to read, you know. I like to read um, the oldie. <laughs> the oldie is actually very good, isn't it? I didn't realise. Danny Baker recommended it to me. I, I do occasionally look at it. Do you? I got a letter in it. Did you? What about first time I bought it? First letter I've ever written to anything <laughs> straight in the oldie because they had a big thing about David Tomlinson. Right. And I went on Wogan before anyone knew who I was. I went on Wogan as Tommy Cockles. And I did the stand-up as Tommy to all the old ladies, which mm. kept going, oh, that's awful. They just didn't get it at all. And then he introduced <laughs> me and said, Tommy Cockles, come on and sit down. And David Thomason was sitting there, and halfway through, he suddenly got it and started really laughing. <laughs> and I thought, if I've made him laugh, then I, I'm doing yes, the right thing. that's right? an achievement. So I wrote that, and then uh, they printed it, and uh, I'm now retiring from writing to things. <laughs> But no, he was he was great, David Thomas. And we had so when many. I when I left, he was outside the BBC with a fur coat on and a driver, and he went off to Henley on Thames. Oh, I like a horse, that, you know, a horse, horse-drawn carriage. <laughs> you know, yeah. Then he probably turned the corner and got out, and you know, and got, got, <laughs> got a minicab home. <laughs> no, but he was great, and you know, it was one of those fantastic character actors that in all those films we watched yeah. growing up, those Disney films, and yeah. Well, lovely for you to have met him. Oh, it was charming. And for him to have enjoyed... And for him to have enjoyed <laughs> your character. You know, it's always great. It's that kind of thing when you're looking out, you're doing something and there's no-one in the audience laughing. The one person who laughs, you think, oh, bless them. Well, no, I love it, them forever. You know, that... It, it, I was trying I'm to not do suggesting someone... no one else was laughing no, in no, this I was particular... No, no, they weren't. But, not... <laughs> but I was trying to do someone from that time and he got it. Yes. Therefore, yeah. I took it at the time as, as, a, as meaning I knew I was on the right track. Yes. Because Wogan suddenly <clears> went, but you're not really old, are you? <laughs> 
Well spotted. Yeah, without telling me he was going to do it and just broke out of the character, which was kind of a bit strange. So you had to, even though you were still dressed as Tommy Cockles, you had to become Simon Day? No, I just went, I beg your pardon, and carried on. No, excellent. What a professional. Never out of character. Yes, never, never, never. Charlie Higson and Friends on Scala Radio. The Charlie Higson and Friends podcasts were originally broadcast on Scala Radio in April 2021 and January 2023. Scala Radio is a radio station that celebrates classical music in all its shapes and sizes and is home to Simon Mayo, Mark Kermode, Charles Nove and me, Richard Allinson. Scala Radio broadcasts across the UK on DAB Digital Radio, on your smart speaker, the Scala Radio app and online at scalaradio.co.uk.